Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. I'm your host today. I'm Gary, and on the mics with me today are two pastors. Pastor Austin, how are you? Doing well, man. I'm doing great. I did the one thing TJ told me not to do, and I made a little clicking noise. So sorry, TJ. All right. Well, let's not do that again, <laughs> okay. Austin. And, and uh, on the other mic is Pastor Rick. How you doing, man? Fine, brother. Thank you. We uh, were joking before we started this, since Gary is our worship director, we wanted him to sing the intro and give us a jingle, but you stiffed us on that. I'm very disappointed. Well, you know, I I don't know what I can come up with this quickly, you know. Because evidently all you can do is sing, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll spare everyone from that one. Not every song is a good song, you know, so. Um, we can do a podcast about that. That's a good topic, that, yeah. right? <laughs> what are bad songs? Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, well, let's open up with a little discussion, a little icebreaker, guys. It's summertime. Uh, I know my wife and I, we love this time of year. We love the heat. The hotter, the better. We like the sunshine. Uh, so what are you guys doing this summer? What do you like to do during this time of year? I enjoy getting on the bike. So uh, I like to exercise, I like to work out. And one of the things in the summer, being outside, I like to go ride. So I don't have a long commute to the to here to the church. So I, I ride sometimes, but that's like a minute and a half. So on the weekends, I like to get a long ride around town. So it's fun. How how warm does it have to be for you to get on the bike? Uh, I mean, I've ridden it real. I've ridden it when it's super cold. But whoa, it's, whoa, whoa, it's a minute and a half. So super cold means something different to you. Well, than <laughs> everyone else I know. I mean, What's that mean? Like below eighty? Yeah. Well, I mean, super cold. I would ride my bike if it's in the sixties. I don't think I would go in the fifties. That would be pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So sixties. Yeah. But all right. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I would give a similar answer. I like to ride my bike. But I mean something completely yeah. different than Austin does. <laughs> Mine has an engine attached to it. And uh, and then when people find out that I ride a motorcycle, they're like, oh, we should all go for a ride. And I think if that's what I wanted, I would have bought a van. You know, because I, I just <laughs> I, I do so much people time, I like to be alone. So a similar answer as far as summer, uh, I like to go kayaking. I do a good bit of kayaking, and people find that out. And they're like, oh, we should go kayaking together. And I would have bought a canoe, so... Can you um, kayak with someone? Like, well, I mean, together, like, it's just like f- floating the I river guess, yeah. with tu- multiple sure. tubes or whatever. And um, people are, uh, love that, and it's a good time, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny and I are really enjoying We have a lot of great hikes around here. So <laughs> we're area, all yeah. about that. We've already done a few of those. So very excited. We'll probably do another one this weekend. So cool, cool. Well, uh, we are here to dis- discuss a heavy topic. Mm hmm topic of deconstruction. So let's just kick it off and I'll ask the first question, which is what is deconstruction? This is going to be, I think, a longer but a very important podcast because this is a hot topic right now in our culture in general, but particularly within Christian subculture, a lot of deconstruction is going on. And what does that mean? And the problem is that 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 term gets used, uh, people have different definitions for the same term. So basic definition I would give for deconstruction is 
uh, well, uh, there's people who have no idea what I'm talking about. So leaving the faith. Let's just say leaving the faith, okay? Uh, but that's not really what it is. So uh, a better definition would be reevaluation, reevaluating your faith. Uh, now, Austin, uh, neither you nor I have read Zan's book, When Everything is on Fire, right? I've, you haven't. No, I've heard great things about it, but have not Did read it. And, and so I haven't read it, but uh, his book comes up a lot when talking about this. And I did capture this definition from his book where he says, it is used to describe a crisis of Christian faith that leads to either a a re-evaluation of Christianity or sometimes a total abandonment of Christianity. So if you caught at the end there, it could be one of two things. It could be re-evaluating so you look over your faith, and maybe you still embrace your faith, or maybe you tweak some things. Like maybe you used to think being a Christian meant you have to be a Republican too, hmm. and you reevaluated, and now you're still solidly a Christian. You know, like, or it could be an abandonment of your Christianity. So deconstruction sometimes gets to be used in both, and sometimes it gets separated out. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, and like you said, it's so much of everyone defines it slightly different mm-hmm. differently and so i know for my in my own kind of journey like i i would say there's been some areas of my faith uh that i've deconstructed that i've reevaluated that i thought about that i think differently now than i did before and it's been a really healthy good process now i say that to some people and they like instantly mm-hmm. you know red flag they think i've walked away from jesus i'm not a christian anymore and what in their mind, I'm thinking deconstruction, I reevaluated, I'm in a better place. They're thinking deconversion, that you've right. you've said, you know, forget this Christianity thing, I don't believe it anymore, I'm doing something else. And so that's the hard part is it's a term that hasn't been defined one way by everyone, it's defined differently. So this makes it a whole very interesting 100%. topic. And so so you as a pastor, you decon you you did deconstruction, which means you're no longer a Christian, you're a pastor. Well no, that's not what you meant. And so you used another term in there, Austin, where you said deconversion. And some people talk in those two categories. Mm-hmm. Deconstruction means just the reevaluation, but I'm still a Christian. Deconversion means I walked away from the faith. I think that's junk. I no longer identify as a Christian. Yeah. But the problem is that culturally, the term deconstruction is being used to cover both. And so that's why you really got to define your terms and and what you're talking about. And so for a good bit of this podcast, we will probably use deconstruction to cover both because that's the way it's being used culturally. Yeah. Now, it's not a new problem. I should point that out. Like, uh, though it is a hot topic right now in our culture, it's been around for a couple thousand years at least. (laughs) So you go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. And it says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Hmm. Excuse me, they are not all of us. any case, so what's going on there is in the very earliest church, They had people that were deconstructing, that were previously identifying as a Christian, and then later saying, nope, that's not my gig. And what John is saying there is, hey, yep, they're going out. But listen, they were never of us to to begin with. If they were, they would have stuck. And they weren't, so that's why they left. But at the very least, you see, 
wow, that's been going on for about 2,000 years. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and that's, and I love that passage because I, I think back to my youth ministry days. So when I was leading our youth ministry here, that would be, I would use that verse almost every senior, senior night with our seniors in porch and our high school ministry at the time. Because there was always this thought of, I knew when kids left our youth group at some point, especially if they were going off to university somewhere and maybe would move, they're going to encounter things that are going to make them deconstruct. Like they're going to have to wrestle with that. And, and so often this fear, I think, leaders would have or other staff, it's like, oh man, they're going to they're gonna encounter this and walk away. But so much of that is they're walking away because their faith was never genuine right. to begin with. And so many of the kids that quote unquote deconstructed and don't walk with Jesus anymore, it was never that they had this great relationship and then they left it. They just never truly had the real thing to begin with. And this could be another topic, but because if you really have that real faith, can you truly walk away? So Right. And that, that will bump up against our discussion yeah. right now, but um, I'll, I'll do you one better. It, it, it happened not only in the early church, it happened a little bit before that. It happened with Jesus. One of my very favorite passages is in John chapter 6. And what happened is Jesus started to say some things that were culturally uncomfortable, that people didn't like. And I'll pick it up in verse 66. It says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, I love this. He just turns to the 12, like, you going to bail? You going to? That's what he, he says literally, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's one of my personal favorite passages because it, it, it grips my heart. I, I choked back emotion uh, just now, uh, that idea that I've got nowhere else to go. If Jesus looks at me and goes, Rick, you going to bail? <laughs> Lord, i got nowhere else to go. You're it. I've come to believe. Hmm. But at the very least, what you see is there were people with Jesus, and then they deconstructed. They bailed. They said, I don't like this. This is getting uncomfortable. My culture goes one way. Jesus, you're going another way. I'm out. And so it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I can, as I was thinking about this term deconstruction, uh, in my early ministry days in like the two, early 2000s, I'd never heard that term. Mm-hmm. In fact, I hadn't heard that term until the last couple of years, deconstruction. And so, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't happening. Right. It's just, it is kind of somewhat of a new label, I think, that, that is, some would even say trendy, that's happening out there right now. So what are some things that you guys feel like are leading to this idea of deconstruction? Well, yeah, because it does seem like it is accelerating, right? Uh, And so let's just, before we get into talking about what's leading to deconstruction, I'd love to start there, Gary, and just say, like, why why does it feel like it's happening so much lately, right? Like that, and uh, I I think uh, one of the factors is social media, right? And also that you and I have kicked this around before. Oh, yeah, and it's, I mean, there's... There's so many like podcasts. I mean, there's books. Like I, there's a couple of podcasts I I keep my on. I listen to some of them, and and they're podcasts that are people who who have and are either are doing you know the whole deconstruction thing. And they're some of them obviously are walking away from the face. Some aren't, but it's such a popular hot topic right now. And like you said, well, social media, it just shine. It just gives people a platform that. 30 years ago, you could talk about deconstruction, but no one knew about it because you had nowhere to talk about it. It was probably you 
writing in a journal, whatever. But now it's like you post your thoughts public online, other people talk. So it's just the whole nature of social media. It's, well, and that's it's the thing. So, there. and it's not what's catching headlines is not yeah. John Doe down in Alabama. And I use Alabama because I think you uh, stole somebody from Bama recently, Gary. I, I did. Roll tide. Yes, yeah, you did. There you are. So yeah, get it right, Gary. But that's not that's not what's catching. It's like celebrities. Well, yeah. the thing with social media is there's a lot more celebrities. Back in the day, to be a celebrity, you had to hit a standard. Now, the bar is really low because you can so much more easily be a celebrity. And social media also gives a megaphone to when one of those quote-unquote celebrities deconstructs. And so social media, I think, has upped the deconstruction game very much. Yeah, and and I think on the hills of the social media thing, the other thing I think that plays into it is is the younger – it seems like the younger generation uh, are more prone to kind of go towards deconstruction, whereas I think earlier generations didn't always question authority, question what they were given. And there's good and bad about that. But I think the younger generation tends to just be skeptical of anything that they're told. So even if something's 100% true, they may be like, uh, I don't know. And so I think there's just this Seems like the younger you are, the more prone you are to to maybe go down a deconstruction route. Sure. Just blame it on millennials. There you go. I'm technically in that category. So, (laughs) yes, 100%. Well, and I would say national trend also is hitting this in that we are in a post-Christian society now. So back in the day, when you were kind of quasi into Christianity a little bit, but it was more religion than relationship, but, really, but the society supported your faith and all that, it was all good. But now, it's, it's really kind of become inconvenient to be a Christian, right? It can be socially awkward to be a Christian, and discipleship really comes at a cost, and many don't want to pay that. So... Uh, with a post-Christian society, you're going to see many more people who used to identify as Christian go, man, I'm not into it. I'm walking away. Yeah. So those things, I think, work together. I think we had two, three things there that I think accelerate uh, this deconstruction today. Yeah. Cool. So um, with that said, I kind of asked this before, but what are some? What do you think are some specific things that have led people to deconstruction? Yeah, and so those things are varied. There are a lot of different things, and so we've got to be very careful that we don't paint with a broad brush and say everyone who's deconstructed is like this. Good that would be very unkind. Very unkind. So we're gonna we we need to talk on a podcast in some general in generalizations. But lives are not like this. Lives are very unique. But there are some different things. Austin, you want to take yep. a shot at a few? Yeah, I think, I mean, cult, culture over faith is a big one. I mean, I think so many people that I've met that have kind of walked this road of deconstruction, it tends to come down to some. there's a trend in culture, there's a way culture's going, and then there's a way, you know, the scriptures, the Bible, what God's telling us to do as believers and those start to go different ways, and everyone has to choose, and a lot of people tend to choose what's easiest, and that's just go to the culture. So an example of that is, I mean, homosexuality. The culture says it's it's good, it's okay, embrace it. That's the way the culture is going. The Bible says it's sin, it's wrong, refrain. And at the end of the day, and we say this at our church, and Ricky say it all the time, like when culture and the Bible disagrees, 
who's one of those is going to have to win. And we always say the Bible wins, and that's what we're going with. Right. And I think people, unfortunately, they just choose the way of the culture because maybe it's easier. That's where everyone else is going. And so they choose that culture over their faith. And that's, I mean, that's step one of deconstruction right Absolutely. there. That's just you're, you're on the journey. So. And, I, you know, definitely with that specific issue, you mentioned homosexuality. There can be false dichotomies. There can be straw men. There can be all kinds of problems to say, hey, well, um, the church has been ignorant on this at times and mean. Oh, absolutely. And we can reject some of the mistakes the church has made That's and hold point. on to the scriptures. And uh, But some people don't, don't have that ability, and so they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, so I, I just, you know, as we do embrace the scriptures, uh, when they disagree with our culture, I also want to be humble and say, yeah, but we can do so lovingly mm-hmm. and in ways that... The church has made mistakes in the past. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but another one with uh, culture over faith, I'd say politics versus faith uh, would be another one that, uh, and, and this happens on both sides of the aisle, both liberals and conservatives. Uh, so when faith and politics conflict, for the conservatives, they usually find hyper conservative churches. Uh, and they hole up and, and circle the wagons there. Uh, but for liberals or progressives, when they uh, feel like conflict with their faith, they will often exit the church. Not always. Sometimes they'll find liberal churches, but more often than not, they'll exit the faith. But uh, sometimes a conflict between politics and faith can lead to deconstruction. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, that's been such a journey even for, for myself as I walk through that of just growing up in a culture that politics was so tied to faith. And that's probably one of the things that led me to kind of go through a little bit of like reevaluating, like, where do I stand with this? Cause it was, it was weird. Uh, but I think that leads to another one is just churches in general. Like, mm-hmm. yep. um, I mean, let's, we can be honest, like there's just not every church is a good church. I mean, there's right. churches that are, are super judgmental and they're not loving. They don't preach the gospel clearly or accurately. And that can lead to just a mess of issues. So I think some people tend to go down the route of deconstruction because they've just maybe grown up or they just have experience in a, in a bad church and they're, mm-hmm. they're wounded, they're hurt. Maybe they distrust leaders because of a failure in leadership. And that kind of sets them on this path now of, you know, they, they leave the church, but instead of leaving the church and find a good church, they leave the church and then start to, even leave Christianity, which right. is obviously the thing we don't want them to do. Which the thing I've told people before is, hey, when you get a bad haircut, what do you do? You get a new barber. You don't swear off haircuts, right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes when people get a bad church, they swear off churches instead of get a, get a different church, get a good church. And, and, and Austin, man, you, you nailed it. There, there's uh, under this kind of umbrella of church pain, there can be, no church is perfect. Our church is very imperfect. And so... Uh, so all churches can lead to that. Uh, of course, then sometimes there's church hurt, which is more than churches are imperfect. It's like, no, there was specific harm. And you mentioned uh, the rate of failure in church leaders is steep, and it, that hurts a lot. And so there can be a whole mix of things there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it's that the church has unfortunately offered up a perversion of Christianity instead of the real thing. So in that case, leaving the church is a good thing. So, for example, if a church gets into uh, Christian nationalism, which is a form of white supremacy, basically, uh, there they've mixed politics and faith, and it's just it's a bastardization of Christianity. Mm. 
And uh, somebody encounters that and they're going to go, hey, I'm out of here. Man, good. Get out. Leave. Leave that. You know, like, so sometimes uh, people leaving a church bad situation is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. We could could probably link this in the show notes, but that makes me think of, we did a podcast, you and Pastor Jared did one on good and bad reasons to leave a church. And we got into some of that as... There's actually some good reasons. Um, I think another one is is just they're just disappointed with life and maybe God. Uh, I mean, yeah. people unfortunately just go through in a fallen world. They go through some hard crap, and and that leads people to, you know, when you go through that, you can either get better or bitter. You can run towards God and grow in your faith and become a better follower of Christ, or you know, unfortunately, the enemy can use that to make you bitter at the Lord and bitter at what he's you know what he's trying to do in your life. And so some people. I've met they've deconstructed just because they maybe they lost someone they love, maybe yep. they went through something and they just they can't reconcile that pain with a good God and they instead of wrestling with that and coming to a better place, they they walk away. And that is a classic yeah. uh, philosophical question in the problem of evil. Uh, as well it is it, every Christian has to wrestle with that at some point that life is painful and I suffer and I'm mad at God. Uh, and yeah, you're spot on, man. That can lead to deconstruction. Another one that I kick in there is sin. Sin leads to deconstruction. Now, I'm not saying every time somebody deconstructs it's sin. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but what I am saying is that there is in our lives sometimes unconfessed, unrepented, repeated sin. It, we feel shame. Uh, maybe it's just hedonism. Maybe I just want to do what I want to do. And I heard one time the, the phrase that nobody stops believing in God and then starts sinning. What happens is somebody starts sinning and then stops believing in God or deconstructs whatever. So, or the, the trite phrase that maybe you've heard that what the heart wants, the mind justifies. Mm. And so sometimes what happens is somebody gets off into a pattern of sin and feels very uh, out of touch with God and out of sin. And, they, and the, the, the response should be repentance, uh, but instead the response sometimes is deconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and even you said earlier, I mean, the, the term deconstruction is used so broadly. And so sometimes what could be leading someone to deconstruction is they just, they're just reevaluating what they believe or what they thought they believed. Maybe it's a better way to say it. I mean, they, Maybe they, you know, started following Jesus or started kind of dabbling in Christian religion because their parents did or they grew up in church, and maybe they're hitting that point where they're saying, okay, is this, is this, is this for me? Is this what I believe? Is this what I really want? And so some people start to deconstruct, and, and that's actually something maybe that leads them from a kind of this religious Christianity thing into a real relationship with Jesus, which I think we, we see that one a ton here at our church. Absolutely. So. And that can be good. That can yeah. be the reevaluation thing totally. that, yeah. that you end up saving your faith <laughs> instead of losing it, right? But I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a flow then, because I know Gary, we just threw great question. We just threw a lot at you about like how, what kind of things lead to deconstruction. But here's a typical flow. It can start out with egalitarianism or feminism. Uh, that it seems like my culture is more feministic than my faith. Uh, at least the scriptures and some churches are faithful to. And so uh, now I start to get a little bit of cognitive dissonance with, with that. 
Uh, and then the homosexuality issue comes along, and the gender, the trans issue comes along. And again, culture and my faith seem to be going in different directions, and I feel awkward about that. I don't like that. And, uh, and then uh, growing up through school, I'll get exposed to uh, postmodernism, uh, and, and yet Christianity is incredibly exclusive. It makes exclusive tr- truth claims and doesn't seem very relativistic. My truth, your truth, like, ooh, uh-oh. And then hell comes on the table, and I, I, the issue of hell, and it, that's very awkward, and how could God send people to hell, and I don't like... So you start to roll those four things together, and you end up with a weaker view of the scriptures, what it starts to happen in some uh, people's lives. Uh, after that, there might be some frustration with flaws in the church, maybe the church out there, the big church, or maybe my specific church, but either way, there's frustration with the church. Uh, and then you, you start to have discomfort because of those things with identifying as a Christian, whether that's a born-again Christian or evangelical, whatever. Uh, but but I, I'm uncomfortable because the culture doesn't accept Christianity like it used to. So, so I've got this cognitive dissonance going, and now it starts to feel awkward to identify as a Christian. In that process, what usually happens, unfortunately, is the person doesn't really seek answers to their questions from credible, solid, orthodox Christian sources. And unfortunately, they get a one-sided argument from non-Christians, from social media, from liberal professors, something like that. Uh, And so they start to drink from one fountain only. You mix in, then all you need is a little guilt over sin, right? I already said nobody stops believing in God and then starts sinning. So a little guilt over sin comes into it. And uh, I can either ditch Christianity or I can ditch accountability to God. Uh, excuse me, I didn't say that. I can, I can uh, ditch my sin or I can ditch Christianity, in which case I ditch my accountability to God. And so I, I get off the hook that way. And then the last thing you kick in is discipleship is difficult. Discipleship to Jesus takes time. It takes effort. And so there's repentance and submission, participation, service, obedience, etc. And so I'm like, nah, you know what? Hmm. I'm out. That all sounds really hard. Uh, And it's uncomfortable. and, And so I'm out. Now, again, I'm not saying that describes everyone, but that is a pretty, you kind of pack all those things together, and that becomes a pretty common cocktail that leads to deconstruction. Yeah, that's a, man, that, yeah, that was a great, I love even this, that summary. And like you said, it's not, it's not like that's a one size fit all. That's, nope. it's different. But I think one of the common things throughout that thread that you went through, and you even kind of mentioned it middle way through, is so much of it's based on, they just start questioning you know, what is God's word truth? And if you start to dabble with that question and you start to flirt with, no, it's not true. It's just, you know, it's outdated. There's mistakes. It's not authoritative of my life. Then good grief that everything goes out the window. And that's when it's easy to start accepting all these things. And I, this is a, you'll, you'll appreciate it, Gary. Is it the band Gunger? Was that their name back yeah. in the day? Mm-hmm. Like yep, yep. they were the first people I heard talk about deconstruction. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. cause they, you, you make know, beautiful things. Yep. Is that yeah. Yeah, it's a great song? Cause they, they were some of the first ones I heard at least to yep. kind of start questioning, like, you know, are these old Testament stories really real or is it just like stories? And you start to that slippery slope of your questioning, is this Bible truly God's word? And is it accurate of what it says? And if you say no, that's a slippery slope that goes down what you were saying. And, so and notice things. what I said. It's not that question that is the problem. Exactly. Because yeah. I want our students, adults, to be asking that question. 
That's a good question. And the cool thing is good questions have good answers. Yeah. And, and if you get good answers from good sources, uh, I think it was Blaise Pascal who said, uh, God has given us evidence uh, sufficiently clear to convince those with an open mind and open heart, hmm. but evidence sufficiently vague so as not to compel those whose hearts and minds are closed. So, uh, yeah, if you are from a faith disposition, but you're asking hard questions and looking for good answers, God will provide them, and your faith will survive and be solid, and it'll actually be stronger. We'll be talk about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so there, I think we're recognizing that there are good and bad things that can come with deconstruction, mm-hmm. um, but I think all three of us would agree that there is a danger with it. Oh, yeah. So what... What would you guys say is the danger of deconstruction? Well, I think a big danger is that you walk away from the faith. And uh, now if, I mean, we're making a, a presumption there that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is. And if he's not, well, then walking away from Christianity is no big deal. Hmm. But if he is, uh, then you're walking away from life. Hmm. And that's my my huge, huge concern that uh, what what's happening is um, a lot of the things that I mention are not faith crises. Yeah, okay, you sin, you repent, we move on. Like these aren't faith crises, but they're just life experiences in a fallen world. There's disappointments with Christians, but not with Christ. Uh, there's good questions of faith. None of these are crises, uh, but what it starts to happen sometimes it's culture and politics steering the boat. Uh, but what starts to happen is I start to make faith choices for non-faith reasons. And that's a big problem. Hmm. I make faith decisions based on non-faith reasons, and it steers people away from Jesus, and in Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and I, my heart breaks mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. Yeah, and I would have I said the same thing. I mean, it's the biggest danger is you're just walking away, and I think I heard a um, on a podcast, he was quoting from someone else. I, I don't know the exact source, but he, he gave this parable that someone put in a book about like these people walking down this road and they encountered a fence going across the road. And he said, there's two groups of people. Like there's some people, they see the fence and they think, oh man, this is an obstacle. It's slowing me down. It's keeping me from progress. So let's just jump over the fence and keep moving. And then he said, there's another group who says, hey, why is the fence there? Like mm-hmm. what's on the other end of the fence or on the other side? Why Maybe someone put it there to protect us. And his point, and he was talking about this topic of, there's fences, like there's things that keep us in the realm of Orthodox Christianity, and those fences are good, and it's okay to ask questions and wrestle, but if you just see the fence and say, oh man, this is keeping me from progress, or culture's going this way and it's keeping me from keeping up with culture, and you just say, screw the fence, I'm going over, the dangers, you're leaving the realm of biblical Christianity, and like I said, you're not just walking away from a set of beliefs, you're walking away from from life, it's a life and death matter, and you're... Yeah. You could be walking away. You are walking away from the one thing that actually is true. Well, as soon as you were talking about that fence, I thought of the Apostles' Creed, yeah. which right now we're in the process. I know this podcast will come out a little bit later, but we'll still be in the series. We're yep. in the series right now called Creed, going through the Apostles' Creed. And one of the things I said a couple of days ago uh, as I was preaching was that you either have a faith that you've made up or a faith that has been given to you by God. Those are your only two choices. And and so we want to have a faith that has been delivered to us by God and contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. That's Jude 1, the well, 
it's all one. But anyway, the, th- <laughs> the third verse, the third verse that you. So, uh, so yeah. So to to have like a faith, and and otherwise, what happens? And this is one of my concerns, Gary, with with deconstruction, is that you get a smorgasbord religion where I just like I'm going through the cafeteria line. <laughs> I want a little of this, a little of this. I'll take this, and and so I just fill my own tray. I make up my own platter and my own faith, my own religion. Uh, but the problem with that is then you can't call it Christianity. It's not real faith. It's not delivered by God. It's just something you made up. And that, that would be a great concern. So, so then the highest standard of truth is you. You are your standard of truth. Now, there are some in post-modernity that would say, amen, perfect, great. Uh, but from a historic Christian point of view, we would say that's a horrible idea. Uh, I want a standard of truth that's a little bit higher than Rick McKee. Well, a lot higher, actually. And if I, if Rick McKee is the standard of truth, man, we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, uh, with deconstruction, like I said, there's good, there's bad. So let's talk about the good. Is there any good that comes from deconstruction? And what are those things? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I think the. I mean, I think the biggest thing that instantly comes to mind is 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 Reformation is, mm-hmm. is coming, getting back to the scriptures. I mean, you think about, gosh, the Reformation, you know, that that brought what we are, Protestants. Like, if it wasn't for those church those church fathers, those reformers, saying, "Hey, let's let's reconsider what's going on here in the church. Like, let's get back to the scriptures. Let's rediscover the gospel." Like. In a sense, like they didn't use the word deconstruction, but that's what they were doing. They were they were deconstructing what the church was telling them was true, and what they got out of it was uh, back to the gospel, the true gospel. So if it if it gets you back to the gospel and back to the scriptures, it's a very good thing. Well, and that's where I, I feel like the term Reformation coming in can really help us, true. because okay, did Martin Luther deconstruct? Depends on who you ask. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Again, it depends on how you define. Did he con- deconvert? No. Did he deconstruct? Depending on how you define it. So, what if we just give up the farm on deconstruction and we lump it in with deconversion, and it's just we view it as a bad thing? And the other term, on the other hand, is reformation, because that's what he did. He reformed, and and basically, you can think of it this way: reformation is getting mm-hmm. back to the Bible deconstruction is getting away from the Bible for cultural reasons. Okay, like if you do that, well, Martin Luther didn't get away from the Bible, he got back to the Bible. So some who really wrestle with their faith, they don't end up walking away, they end up more in the Bible, understanding the Bible, they end up with kind of recovering, reclaiming a biblical faith. That's a golden, wonderful, precious thing. Reformation is great, deconstruction not so much if you define it that way. And again, it's all how you define the terms. Yeah. But the good things that can come out then is you can end up with an examined faith. A lot of Christians have a very unexamined faith. Well, that can be good. Uh, A lot of people who go through this reformation process uh, or the good form of deconstruction, they end up uh, knowing and loving apologetics, theology. They end up with uh, fidelity to Christ despite culture. Uh, though, like they go through a process, they come out stronger for the battle, hmm. and it can be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Think of uh, I was just listening to an interview not long ago of a uh, he was he was kind of in the Christian music world, and he went through kind of a phase of what he would call deconstruction. And he he mentioned that he said his him and his friends were all going through it together, 
And he said he remembers looking at his friends and just saying, like, all right, we burnt down a lot of things. Like, mm. they just, you know, question, they questioned a ton and all this. But he, he said he remembers looking at his friends and saying, okay, but what is God, what's the more beautiful thing God's building? And so I think that's where the good is. We, if we just stop it, let's burn it all down and be done with it. But what if it's burn all of it down because some of it's not good, some of it's man-made, put on, whatever, but let God build something more beautiful out of it. And that's the Reformation part is like, man, your faith is stronger. Your faith is more secure. I mean, that's something I would want everyone to go through at some point if your faith is going to grow from it. And that's assuming your faith grows and you stick and you're still in. But and I agree with that 100%. I would add in, for those who leave, I think it's a good thing. Yep, absolutely. Even for them. Because listen, uh, if they don't really believe it, let's have that out on the table. Let's not paper over that. Let's not let's not swell the ranks of Christianity by those who really don't believe it. So I don't, I don't listen. We, we don't want people just to parrot some religious sayings and uh, go through the motion. We want them to know Jesus. And if they're not in a posture where they're deep into love with Jesus, but instead they're just man, let's get that out on the table. I think that's good for them and good for us, and gives the hope that then they could. Now that they've kind of been outed as, yeah, I'm not into it, now they could really receive the gospel. That's a good thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've got some friends who have deconstructed mm-hmm. and are deconstructing, and I can tell you the ones that are doing well have kind of cornered this idea of reconstructing. That's one of the things that nice. they told me. They, they, they say, you know, it's... If you're going to deconstruct, make sure you have a plan to reconstruct. Right. Because where are you going to go after that? So, you know, I think that really encapsulates, you know, the good things with it and then also the danger uh, if you don't reconstruct. So dealing with people who are going through this, they're questioning things, they're deconstructing. What are some things that we can remember when dealing with people who who are going through this? Yeah, and I think, and even as you say that, Gary, I think it's it's good to throw in, like, let's keep in mind, I mean, if you're a parent listening to this, I mean, mm. this is stuff like when your kid's a teenager, they're probably going to at some level go through this. Uh, and I think, I mean, gosh, my kids are little, but I but I already have that thought in my head, like, man, there's, there's going to be a day where all this stuff that I've passed down to them and want them to believe it's truth, like, they're going to have to wrestle with some questions of, is this what they really believe? And so it could be child, spouse, whatever, friend. But I think it's a great question. I think the first thing I would say is just um, affirm what you can. So when someone's going through deconstruction, don't just toss everything they're going through out as like, stop it, this is bad. Like mm-hmm. affirm that they are asking questions. Affirm yep. that maybe their faith is very genuine and why they're wrestling with questions is because they desire to grow. They desire to have a deeper faith. So, so affirm, I think... Just, yeah, be careful not to go straight to negative. Just affirm some of the beauty in the process. Love that, Austin. One of the things that helps me be positive and affirm what I can during a negative situation like that, or potentially negative, is to realize that God's not threatened, so I don't have to be either. And it really does not matter how many people in modern culture deconstruct God has never been threatened a day in his life, and he never will be. He's the eternal king of kings. We know how the story ends. God is going to be okay. And if God's going to be okay, I'm going to be okay. So I don't have to freak out 
So if somebody's wrestling through stuff, chill. God's okay. I'm okay. Like, like it allows me to take a deep breath, step back, and then I can affirm them and engage with them. Yeah, I would give them a lot of freedom. Hey, man, you, you don't give them condemnation. Give them freedom. Hmm. Let them freedom to ask questions, and you know when your faith is your faith, you get to make the call on that, and uh, and then give them love and commitment. I'm going to love you. I'm going to stay committed to you, even if you come to a point where you're saying all this Jesus stuff is junk, and I'm walking away. Uh, I will be sad for you. I will disagree with you, and I will love you, and we'll still be friends. Hmm. And a lot of that flows from just not being threatened because God isn't. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and, and as you do those things, I love that, like, give them freedom, commit, love them, like, there's, you got to challenge them at some point, and I think you can mm-hmm. do that in a very graceful, loving way, but but you got to challenge them on both sides, I mean, challenge them to consider the opposite of what they're considered, and help them see, hey, there's a, there's truth here, there's a, I mean, there's a big picture, and just, you know, when I think when someone goes through deconstruction, at times, they, you know, they put the blinders on, and they focus maybe on this one thing that they're just, they can't reconcile and they're just bullheaded. And like, they just need to be challenged. And I think that challenge comes with dialogue that, that you need to, I think, have an ongoing conversation with them and, and talk to them and listen to their questions. And, uh, but I think this is a key too. Like, don't, don't do that unless they're willing to, like, if they don't want to dialogue, don't waste your time and their time. Like if they want to dialogue, go for it. If not, wait until they're ready to, because they won't receive it. Well, I agree, brother. And I would say, like, how do you know? That's a good point, yeah. Ask them. Like, like there's nothing as annoying as unwelcomed advice. And it's just wasting everybody's time. And so to say, hey, I hear you're going through this. I see you going through this. I have thoughts for you. Do you want to hear them? And if they say no, we're done. And if they say yes, now you have an open invitation. Both of you are working together. And that's when then I go in and challenge them. One of the things I challenge them is, where are you getting good answers to your good questions? Good questions, affirm, affirm. Where are you getting good answers to your good questions? Oh, can I suggest some resources for you? Here's some resources. Go to the, you know, and uh, so now, and if they say, "Eh, you know what, I'm not interested. Well, now they've kind of outed themselves as they're just going to do, they're going to win a one-sided argument. Okay. Hmm. All right. Love you. Committed to you. And then I'd, I'd let it go. But not pushing. If you push, not going to help anyone. You were them. Yeah. Well, great, guys. This has been a really cool discussion about a heavy topic that, that people are dealing with. Um, before we go today, anything else you guys want to share to close out? I, well, uh, the only thing I kick in there is, is this. Uh, we don't have to be used car salesmen. When you think about like the, the caricature of a used car salesman where he's got really crappy cars on the lot, you get on the lot and he's going to high pressure sales you to try to get you into one of those cars. If you go to, I don't know this by personal experience, but from what I understand, <laughs> if you go to like a, a Beamer or a Lamborghini or a Mercedes dealership, they don't high pressure. They know they have an awesome, awesome car. And the only question is, can you afford it? And they don't have to push it. Now the question is, where do you put God? God is not a lemon that we have to, God is amazing. And being his child and walking with him is a huge, huge privilege. We do not have to high pressure sales God into people's lives. And so we can give people freedom, let them look at the lot, help them as they want, uh, and not feel like we got to corner them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think the, the last thing I would just share is, I mean, I know there's probably people listening to this podcast that, 
that are doing going through this journey of deconstructing, maybe they've mm-hmm. heard about it, they're toying with it, I don't know. I would say my encouragement, especially to those people, are uh, if you're going to go that, down that route, do it in community and with the help of spiritual leadership. So I think so many people I've seen deconstruct, they do it in isolation, which tends to be where the enemy wants you to be. Uh, and so do it in community. Like if you're wrestling with questions, do that with other believers that you trust and that know you and they love you. Uh, and then also do it with the help of like, I mean, as pastors, like we love our flock. And if there's someone in our flock who's deconstructing, we would love to to walk through that with them, to, to wrestle with them. Absolutely. Um, and so don't, yeah, don't cut yourself off from the body of Christ, the believer, community of believers, because um, that's going to, that could end bad. So do it in community. And I think there's some beauty that can come out of that. Brother, that's beautiful. And I, I just tack on to that. And wherever you are in that process, you're welcome here at Redemption Chapel. Amen. Well, thank you guys. Thanks again for sharing and hitting this topic. And we thank you all for listening to this month's podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.